Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast. Another Victory Monday for you in Seminole Nation. Uh, Florida State, 44-14. Yeah, if you want to make fun of me, you can. I picked Boston College. I thought the injuries were going to be too much. I wasn't confident in Jordan playing, and boy, they showed me, huh? Jesus. Uh, Trey Benson (laughs) from the opening. From the opening. I won't even say opening snap. The opening kick, and uh, off they went. Really just showing that they are not... They are definitely not in the the bottom feeder class and and certainly potentially capable of competing even when not at full strength in the ACC. So obviously it gets harder in the road ahead. But, John, I think if you're a Florida State fan, you get your uh, first home game in a month and got to be happy with how this one turned out. Yeah, man. If I was a fan, I would have gotten, <laughs> I would have gotten so drunk that night. Um, yeah. You have to be absolutely ecstatic. This, this team, if you want to say FSU is back, I think it's still a little bit too premature to say that. However, uh, the performance they put on Saturday night was spectacular. You could not have anything upset to say about them. They are ridiculously good. This team is for real and I uh, couldn't be more excited. This is not a fluke. Like everything that we saw against LSU, Louisville, everything that we saw every week, this is not a fluke. And like what Mike Norvell said, they needed a dominant win to show themselves and to show the fans that that they're here and they're here to compete in the ACC and here to compete as a as a national program. And you saw it on Saturday. Yeah, and especially in a year where a lot of teams, Miami, uh, have <laughs> floundered in in spots, even against inferior teams, right? And um, like I mentioned, with the injuries Florida State had coming into this with Jared Burst, with Jordan Travis, probably, I mean, he obviously played and played well, um, you know, but was he at a hundred percent? Probably not. You know, you have to think he was, he was maybe in the ballpark well enough to play, but maybe not all the way there. And you still looked head and shoulders, the better team against a conference foe. Um, you know, you look around the conference and you've got to be happy with where this team is at and where they're progressing, especially after a road stretch and um, the neutral site game and all that to build off of it. Uh, a couple of things that stood out to me and, and Max, I'm going to throw this one here to you. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about the running back room. Trayshawn Ward has been kind of the leader there, but it really feels like Trey Benson's starting to get his legs underneath him. Yeah, for sure. And he's that like, he's that back. who can just do so many different things. It's like when you saw before, He's not going to be just – he gets you two yards, he gets you three yards, he gets you to wherever he needs you. The first man is not going to tackle him. The second man may not tackle him. So whatever you need, he's going to keep on going. And like you said before, he hasn't had one of those plays and one of those kickoff returns. It's like high school. I think he remembered it. 
So it seems like he's going to be back there again, hopefully. And it just shows his versatility of what he's been doing. Yeah, we make fun of this three-headed monster. I mean, they've got, you know, it's, it's Ward seems to be able to do a little bit of everything. I mean, honestly, really, all three of them seem to be able to do a little bit of everything. But to have Benson with that much force and power be able to be, like you said, I mean, the first guy, I don't think in the first quarter yesterday, anybody broke down. I think every run, he either scored or he ran out of bounds on his own. Like, he didn't go down on anybody. Uh, John, what does that do for this offense to have another guy? I mean, obviously, Benson was kind of thought to be that and, and to be able to give you this type of game. First of all, how dare you for saying Middle Tennessee State is inferior to Miami? And second of all, Benson does everything <laughs> for you. I think, uh, I think Miami is 0-3 against Middle <laughs> Tennessee State all time, right? Is that is that a true thing I saw on the internet? I'm sorry. I'm doing hurricane preps and trying to keep up. I think I saw that earlier. Um I haven't seen that. I'm just going to assume it's true because it's Miami and it's better. It's funnier if it's true. So we're just going to say it's true. Um, no, Benson is fantastic. Ward is great. He is definitely very much like a lighter Devonte Freeman. Um, but Benson, man, I didn't know he had the kind of speed in him for the kickoff return, the power I knew he had. Uh, but man, look, this, that's see, that's the crux of the issue in playing Florida state. Okay. You can put, or you kind of have to put six or seven in the box to stop this running game. But if you do that, you're going to get torched by Jordan Travis and these receivers. If you play coverage and drop seven or eight, you know, you know, let's just say seven in coverage against these receivers, you're going to get run over by Benson and Ward and all this. Stuff. Even when look, that's the thing. I don't think the offensive line played like spectacularly well against Boston college. I really don't think they did, but it didn't matter. Right. Because these these running backs are very good. If they get even the slightest kind of daylight, they're going to make something out of it, even if it's uh, four yards. If you do give them a lane, they're they're busting it for 20 or 30. But even if you again, if you devote the numbers in the box to shut that down, Jordan's going to destroy you. It's just this is. And I can't emphasize this enough. Look, I, they have the toughest stretch coming up for October, right? They could legitimately lose the next three games, and they're still a good team. But I don't think that's going to happen, though, because this is legitimately one of the best offenses in the country. Yeah, and that's that's what puts you in almost any game. I mean, you look at uh, around the ACC this weekend, you had Clemson and Wake Forest go to overtime. Uh, Clemson steals that one, I think, by, was it six? Maybe like 52-46, I think it was. Um, obviously Miami's loss is, is, is funny, uh, but doesn't help you in the conference race. Um, so you do have that stretch right here in front of you. And it, and it seems like with this offense, the way they're playing that the way Jordan has such a command of this team, um, you can certainly compete. I, we knew the run game would be there. And as you said, when they bring it up and step into the box and try to contain guys, um, that running back attack, then running back attack. I like that. You know, that's when they'll look to it, Johnny Wilson. And it's just, you don't have a guy that's that size and without a, you know, a safety or, or a second person on him. It's just like, that's, that's pitch and catch the way they're operating right now. And on top of that, Max, that doesn't even bring the defense into consideration. I just, I feel like this team is really ready to compete though. It might not be, you know, college football playoff compete but stealing that win in louisville is is huge with tate and all that you're you're sitting one and oh in or i guess two and oh in conference with a game you probably stole and you know if jordan you get back close to healthy for this next three game stretch or 100 you know back to that 100 obviously he's healthy enough to play um max i think you really got to like your chances yeah you have to and you see all the pieces meshing together like we talked about before that linebacker room those corners that are slowly coming back together mario cooper who's who had a good game against Boston College. He's slowly getting more healthy and, and just putting himself back into the lineup. Need Fabian Levin back in there, but everything is just the puzzle pieces are coming back. Jordan Travis needs to come healthy. But when you have those pieces, when you have those Jared Verse, we don't know if we're going to have them for, if they're going to have them for that Wake Forest and for those NC State games. But when you have a healthy team, when you have this healthy Florida State team, they can compete with anyone on the schedule this year. And I think you'll see that coming into October, which some of the rough stretch we'll see. Yeah, and I and I think the emergence of the passing attack and, and Jordan's yeah. growth in terms of competing, you know, John, you you know, I, obviously we haven't been big fans of uh, DJ Uyungle. Uyungle, 
I got to get that right. I'm sorry. I have to learn the kid's name. I've just been butchering it for two years now. Um, I believe it's Uyungle. I feel like he put up a bunch of numbers on, on weight, right? And then you look at maybe UNC's secondary isn't very good because Notre Dame, who's been awful, put up a ton of yards and points on them. It feels like there's a lot of vulnerable secondaries in this conference um, where even, I mean, Miami just got absolutely torched on big plays last week. Like where this if you're a an, uh, Florida State team that can attack both directions, both passing and run game, John, you've got to like the chances as well, right? Yeah, it, it could turn out to be a shootout. I think uh, Florida State opened as a two-point favorite over Wake Forest, and the line, I think, may have moved already about four, three and a half to four, wow. something like that. Um, anyway, yes, I agree with you. So Clemson's defensive line, which we're going to get there in a couple of weeks, but their defensive line is really, 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 really good, but their secondary is not. Their corners got exposed against Wake Forest. Uh, I know Sam Hartman is a good quarterback, but hey, so is Jordan Travis. Um, but yeah, and then DJ Uyunglele, uh, or DJ, is, I, I don't think he's a very good passer. I, he, he can throw good balls sometimes. A lot of times he is not accurate. Uh, he makes really poor decisions. I do not think he's a very good passer as a quarterback, uh, but occasionally he makes some good throws. And I do think Clemson's receivers are not nearly as good as they have been in the past. However, uh, obviously, DJ threw for a boatload of yards, a bunch of touchdowns. I don't think Wake's, uh, Wake's defense is very good either. I, it's wild because I think Florida State had easily – we talked about this on the pod a bunch of times. Florida State had easily the worst receiver group in the ACC and one of the worst in the Power Five. They are now one of the best groups in the country – Every week, a new uh, receiver seems to emerge. I saw Darian Williamson, who we haven't heard his name in like a year, torch BC for like the whole first quarter. And it's been one receiver after the other. Jordan Travis keeps throwing dimes. Uh, Max, I'll throw this to you because I want to, I want your take on the receivers. But to me, the turnaround has been nothing short of tremendous. Yeah, I love that you put up Darian Williamson because I was talking about it. I was looking at the stats before. FSU has had a new wide receiver one in every single game they've played. So when Wake Forest looks at these games, when they look at the film, obviously you know who they're going to in, in those big plays like Johnny Wilson or Michael Pittman or, or Ontario Wilson, but you have options. Against BC, your wide receiver was when Darion Williamson, five receptions, 98 yards. Against Louisville, it was Johnny Wilson with two touchdowns, close to 150 yards. Against LSU, it was Ontario Wilson. And against Duquesne, it was Kentron Portier. So it just keeps the end and they're still missing Winston, right? They're still missing Ja'Kai Douglas. So they're still missing puzzles in I mean, pieces in that puzzle of the wide receiver room. That's gotten so it's just improved so much from last year. Yeah. And you didn't even get and to, I feel like Deuce, I keep well, sorry, you didn't even get yeah. to do span who didn't really play that much, but he flashed the first week when he was healthy uh, this look, they have a different, they got a lot of size right across the board in the receiver room. But you also have a lot of different skill sets, right? You have Pittman. Micah Pittman's very different from Johnny Wilson, so to speak, right? Even McLean is very different from Kentron Poitier. So, and Poitier mossed some guy in the end zone for a touchdown. This group is just – it's not just that Mike Norvell and his staff went out and got four transfer, transfers and, like, massively upgraded the talent in the room. But that competition, I think, has kind of fueled along with the culture change for the whole program – this just massive transformation, right? And you already had the ground game. Now you've added that element that we were looking for all of last year that didn't exist. And not only have you added it, but they are just playing at such a high level. And, not, and it's not just catching the football, right? Or running routes, getting open, uh, making contested catches. It's also blocking in, in the pass game yeah. and in the in the run game. So out on the edge, especially how with how Norvo likes to pull guards and tackles and, and centers, um, in the run game to move gaps over out to the edge. You have to be able to block on the edge. It's just, I, you can't say enough about how good. I know PFF, uh, Pro Football Focus, like to say they're the best receiver room in the country right now. I, 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 there's got to be rooms like Ohio State that are more talented overall, right? Star star value or star uh, yeah. um, quantity. But how they're playing and playing for each other together as a team, I don't know that I take any other group right now. And they're, and they're going to get tested over the next month in October. But we're going to see how they rise to that level of occasion because right now there's been nobody so far that can touch them. 
Yeah, and I was I was going to jump in with uh, on the blocking. It just made me think of uh, no, no block, no rock, right? You have to block if you're going to get the ball. And uh, these guys are really out there doing it. I, I, I was I was going to say was I was I'm still waiting on the Michael Pittman game. You know, I, he he flashes here and there. You just you just feel like at some point there's going to be this one. There he goes. You know he you know he's got the the burner type speed to just explode. I, I do think the Ohio State room has probably got more top end talent. But to your point, the way this group is playing for team playing for the betterment of Florida state, the betterment of the team every single week. It's, it's so impressive. It's no one is out there, you know, forcing to be wide receiver one. I mean, God, I remember it was after, I think it was after the Louisville game where, where, you know, Johnny Wilson had all the stats in receiving and the plays that I kept seeing on Twitter were him just burying dudes in pancake blocks. And it was just obviously with his size, it helps, but it's just, it's so impressive to see, the turnaround in this group and uh john i want to say it was this time last year we were sitting around talking about you know you were like we've got to give norvell more time we've got to give him more time um you know i think he's what nine and three in his last 12 games or or, or something like that i mean they, they are uh found the weaknesses that they had and have found a way to fix those yes i look i i think it's a little bit I want to say I'm right, but we have a very, very tough October coming up. They could legitimately, I guess, like I said, lose the next three games. Right. Um, but I don't think that they will. I think they'll get at least one and hopefully even two of those wins. Uh, but I'm waiting until after October is over to to kind of come out and say, yes, I was 100% right. But even before we get to those games, I yes, I do think the culture has absolutely changed. And Again, I, I tweeted this. We talked about it a little bit in the Tomahawk Nation Slack group today. Is I cannot stop thinking about after the Louisville post game when Norvell made um, that speech to the team about how they're not playing against any opponent, right? They're playing against themselves. And I can't stop thinking about that and, and what you see, like on what we saw on Saturday night or against LSU or against Louisville. It's it's just different, right? The culture change that we thought that we knew that Florida State had needed for many, many years, I feel like has finally happened. It, it's it's here. It's right now. And that's that's really exciting. Um, but again, can you beat the number five team in the country, right, coming up? Can you beat NC State, who I think is the number 10 team in the country? Uh, can you beat Wake, uh, who is also a very, very good team? I, and I thought before the season – I would have I would have put us down as Wake would be a two touchdown favorite of Florida State, and now Florida State's favored by two. It's essentially pick them. Uh, this is just again the the growth and development of these players. We're seeing kids flash that had never flashed before. Uh, this development that hasn't happened since the end of the Jimbo Fisher era. It is just I, I don't have enough words. I don't know where this ride ends. But we talked about this after Duquesne, saying that this was all three of us on this pod. I talked about how this was going to be a really fun season, and that's what we're getting. No, I'm, it looks like there aren't many holes in this team, which is a big thing. And like, aside from the offensive line who's had injuries and the defensive line who some players have gone down, the depth from this team have really shown that they just they will keep going. And they're going to keep going through these teams. And that's big when you face some of those top teams like Wave Source, like NC State, like Clemson, where you can have guys in your second string and have guys who can come in and make an impact like that. And we've seen it throughout the year. Yeah, obviously, John, I thought you made a great point, too. We're, we're heading, you know, you don't want to take the victory lap yet because of what you're heading toward, right? The, the stretch here of Wake, NC State, Clemson uh, in, in this you know, what is it? Is it three weeks or four weeks, whatever it is, you've got the test right here. And, and to, to Max's point, there isn't a glaring weakness on this team. There's not a point where, you know, that's the problem where last year we'd say, man, if someone could just make a catch, boy, would this team be so much better. Or if a linebacker could make an open field tackle, that would be great. Um, where, where this year you don't have that. And, and I know we're not at the point to take the victory lap. We're not, you know, it's not a seven and oh, at, at, you know, if that's where we're at at the end of October or eight, no, whatever it is. Um, again, apologies. I don't have the count the schedule in front of me. Uh, you know, th that's when your victory lap comes in, but you can see the improvement from players and in just the, the player, it, I guess you can see the improvement in individual players 
And you can see the improvement in talent on the roster that goes into the 180 we've seen in 12 months. Because like I said, we were at a point at this time where we were talking about like, well, is Norvell going to have an, is this going to be his last year? We're going to look for a new coach. Is Deion Sanders, come on. You know, I, and <laughs> somehow we're at a point today where they're favored over Wake Forest. And, you know, you've got to really, really appreciate how quickly that has flipped. And, and to the point you made, John, too, on after, or was it Max made after the Duquesne game, we all said, like, this is going to be a fun team. This is what a fun college football team is. And it's not even just the winning. It's that this, this is exceeding expectations. You were hoping for a bowl game. We all sat down and said, if they can get to a bowl game, bare minimum. Beyond that, seven. You know, maybe one game above that minimum or eight if we're if we're really pushing it. I think Perry might have picked nine in his preseason predictions, and I felt like he was lost his mind. <laughs> they're halfway there. Yeah. Like they're halfway, they're almost halfway there already. And it's 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 very impressive to be at this point. And I understand like the schedule. I mean, outside of LSU, who maybe wasn't as good as we thought. I mean, they're they're, they are proving, and I think SP Plus has them in the top 15 in efficiency in the country. So they've improved since that first game. But, I mean, like, you look, take the Louisville game by itself. Like I said, you've got the injuries where, you know, that could easily have just been a loss. But the culture and, and the, the way this team is built with the depth and the belief and the not, that there's just not a glaring hole. You know, if I think if Tate had to go in with last year's receivers, that's a get games loss. But with Johnny and with other guys who have improved so much and the run game being so much stronger, it's just such a different position for this program that it's just even if you go 0-3 in the next three, I have all the confidence that they're very competitive, that they're not just going to roll over and get pushed around and that they can compete with each with each of these three teams, I mean, they're going to be ranked this week. I don't see a reason, a way they're not. And, and, you know, you deserve it. They deserve to be ranked, and they should compete with all three of these teams. I don't think Wake is going to be ranked after this week. I, I could be wrong, but I didn't see the, the standings, the rankings come out today. But you should compete with these teams. you got two top ten teams in front of you, and you can look up and legitimately say, we can compete with them both. And a year ago, you weren't close to that. This is what's fun, man. And, and you right. just got to be proud of your team. Right. Well, uh, two years ago, FSU had what a zero percent chance to beat Clemson. They got blown out by several touchdowns, and now every game on the schedule is winnable, including Clemson. And I'm not saying they're going to be favored against Clemson; they're not. But every game is winnable. Just every to game. give you guys, just to give you guys an update: Wake Forest ranked 22, FSU ranked 23, and other teams <laughs> in the ACC like like Pitt will be ranked. Pitt's ranked at 24. And there you go. Look, I, I, I want to talk about, if I can, just a little bit of the X's and O's real quick, because, you know, Jordan Travis got hurt in the first half of, of last week's game against Louisville. Right. And uh, they, you know, they throw Tate Rodemaker in and under Jordan Travis. They run a lot of these unbalanced, you know, trips to one side and you might have nothing like the nub or the tight end to the other side of the field. And that's been great. You know, Jordan Travis has been a, a fantastic, excellent the, the growth he's shown this year as a passer has just been nothing short of uh, unbelievable. Um, but, they, you know, Tate comes in, right? And they're kind of running some of the same steps, and they just kind of limp into halftime. They come out halftime running uh, what's really like the pistol eye, which I hadn't really seen Florida State run too much before that happened, right? And it showed a pretty phenomenal um, halftime adjustment from Florida State, you know, Alex Atkins, and, and and Coach Norvell, and it was effective. You only have two receivers out there, but again, you have two tight ends, right? You're you're stacking the box with seven players, um, and you're forcing they force Louisville to come down, right? So then, you know, Louisville does that. Then now you're playing one on one on the outside. Well, and one again, that's fantastic adjustment. You know, you know, Tate throws a couple of touchdowns out of it. FSU gets out with the win, and then against Boston College on Saturday night. They did run some of that same, not quite to the same like extent, but they did run some of that pistol eye stuff with Jordan Travis. And I think what is so fascinating and fun about it is the fact, again, like I touched on before, 
when you're when you run like 12 personnel and this is again specifically the pistol eye out of 12 personnel which is one running back two tight ends uh your tight ends are cam mcdonald and it's been majority of uh, uh preston daniel you do have marquez and douglas in in the mix as well um but look, I thought tight end, you know, back when Norvell first got hired, you look at his Memphis teams. I thought tight end was the one position out of everything that Norvell would find a quote unquote game buster. And that hasn't happened, but it, it hasn't mattered. You look at what they're doing this season, right? Cam McDonald, he could do a better job catching the ball, but he does a decent job getting open, right? He catches that seam throw from, from Jordan Travis. Preston Daniel has been a really good blocker for a walk-on. Um, so they're getting production on the tight end spot without being like really incredible, but this 12 personnel pistol eye type stuff that they're running makes them incredibly difficult to defend because if you bring in the defenders, right, you walk the safeties out down into the box to shut down this running game. Again, you have to Max's point, uh, Johnny Wilson, uh, Malik McLean, Darian Williamson, Micah Pittman, Deuce Spanley's healthy. Then we're going to get Winston right here in in a ne- maybe next week or the week after. That's with with the improvement that Jordan Travis has shown, the incredible growth that Travis has shown. Look, I, Travis is playing like a top ten quarterback in the country. He was maybe I would put him maybe top forty last year. Now he's at least top ten. This is just an incredible offense to defend. Uh, they've got to be playing at a top 10 level right now. Uh, again, the defense has, they, they need to get healthy. They really do miss, uh, to, again, to Max's point one more time, they really do miss Fabian Lovett. I'll, I'll throw this back to Max in a second. Um, but again, they are playing, this team is playing at a really high level. They're playing for each other. The culture has changed. Uh, you hope that these kinds of wins start to lead to top 10, maybe even top five recruiting battles. That's where it has to go or this kind of, quote unquote, rebuild will stall. But so far, this is exceeding, I think, everybody's expectations. Sorry, it seems like every week we're just coming on and just we're not shocked, but we're just surprised of how quick they've turned around. Right, we're right. It's ahead of schedule. We're just surprised of how quick all the, the, the receiving room has turned around. The offensive line has gotten better. Jordan Travis has taken a step that we didn't know that he was just going to take this step, not so quick, but just take this step in his accuracy and his playmaking ability this season. And just to your point on the X's, X and O's, you talked about the tight ends, you talked about the receivers and how they've attacked so far this season. How do you think they're going to attack Wake Forest? I know a lot of us have seen the, the Wake Forest Clemson game. They obviously have some sort of, some sort of, weaknesses on that defense so how do you see them attacking that defense well i think that's a great question i think they are going to look at the you know the staff is definitely going to look at the clemson game see how clemson attacked their receivers um i would have to watch the clemson wake game again to be 100 sure to give you something concrete definitive uh but for the most part i think that force is just going to go out and play their game i i think that when you have guys like um Johnny Wilson, especially, but also Terry Williamson or Malik um, McLean and Micah Pittman, that you create those mismatches against pretty much anyone you face, right? I mean, most most corners in the NFL, although six foot guys who are great, but not all teams have guys like that clearly in the college, um, and Wake certainly certainly not. So I, while I think Wake is a good a good team. I wish I had seen the Wake Clemson game one more time just to kind of give you a definitive, hey, I think these concepts are going to run. But for the most part, kind of knowing who Norvell is and, and the culture, how he's, he's you know, kind of what we talked about today, how he's done that, I think Florida State's just going to go out and worry about themselves and play their game. And looking at this Boston College game, I, I, the things I think we're going to see, right, we're going to see a ton of counters from the run game. You're going to see um, – a fantastically executed screen game. Uh, look, Norvell doesn't call the game with the timing, the sublime timing that Jimbo Fisher always called it, but they execute the screen game at a much higher level than they ever did on Jimbo Fisher. And the screen game against Boston College was just perfection, right? They ran everything, um, the blocks getting out in space. It's just unbelievable. Uh And then, of course, um, Travis running, you know, when he's throwing the digs or the flags, you know, Norvella's flood where he gets, you get three level receivers, right, running to one side of the field. Do all of those things. Again, 
I think that Norvell challenges his team to compete against themselves more than anyone else. I don't think he's really going to, I mean, you do to some extent, obviously, but for the most part, I think he's just going to keep asking these players to execute what they know. And it seems like there's so many weapons on offense. Like we talked about with the tight ends, the running backs, the receivers, but do you think this Florida state team with Jordan Travis, with those healthy receivers, do you think they're they're that free-flowing offense where you can just give them the keys and say, kind of go to work, go to look at the secondary, look at look at the holes and and make sure and kind of looking at Travis and making sure you're not you're not really just don't be a robot, do what not do whatever you want to do, but just play your game. Yeah, I that's a really good question, actually. Um yes, because we were talking, she talking about this in the Atomic Nation Slack group tonight, right before we started recording. I think, uh, or even a lot of us at Atomic Nation think that Travis, it, if he's healthy and on the field, he gives you a chance in any game that you have. He's playing at that high of a level this year. Um, again, I cannot understate how much better he's gotten, you know. People say there were some flashes last year. I, did, I didn't really buy into it. But, again, the receivers are the worst group that there was. I, I can't really deny that there wasn't some improvement there. But what he's showing on the field this year, if he stays healthy and Travis plays, they are competitive in every game the rest of the way, right? Um, they have I, – I don't know what the spread's going to be in, against Clemson. Maybe Clemson's favored by, by seven or something like that. But Travis – look, I'm watching the Boston College game, right, again today. And he scrambles out of the pocket and throws a 30-yard pass off of – he almost jump throws it. And it's perfect accuracy to Pokey Wilson, who takes it for like another 40 yards. It's just absurd. And if – if Tra- again, I cannot say this enough. If Travis is healthy and on the field, you have a chance in every game. That's how well he's playing. And the receivers are a big part of that. Uh, they are elevating – this running game also, because it's, again, we talked so much about how Florida state last year was one dimensional. And it's not just that you are no longer one dimensional, but you were playing in the passing game at an extremely high level, both of the quarterback and receiver position. And it, it just, it makes you so difficult or next to impossible to defend because you have to pick your poison, right? Like, again, it's just over and over. You're playing a numbers game over and over and over again. And Florida State has now forced every team on their schedule to have to adjust to that. So when it comes to playing Wake, Wake has the same dilemma that every other team is going to face. It's the same thing with Clemson. You're just playing against better defenders with, with better athleticism, right? So, but every team, no matter how talented they are, Wake, Clemson, NC State, or Florida, they're all facing the same choice as long as FSU can stay healthy. And looking at the offense, like we've been looking at for most of the, the podcasts already, what do you think that they're missing in this offense to compete with? I know that they're already ready to compete with with those teams like Clemson and, and anyone on their schedule, really. But what do you think they're missing to really put them over the edge against those teams in October? On offense and offensive line. Um, the offensive line is simply too banged up. You know, you lost Bless Harris, who you thought was going to be your starting offensive tackle for the whole year. Um, then, you know, they moved Harry, I think they moved Harris Washington to left tackle at some point this in the game against Boston college, but they're, they're clearly not a healthy group, right? They're, they're kind of, you actually have depth for the first time in a very, very long time, but they're clearly not a healthy group. And that's impacted them. Some you saw it against Boston college. It just hasn't mattered because these receivers are so talented because Travis and the running backs are so talented. So, um, but yeah, if you, if you wanted to like, say, stomp Clemson and put half a hundred on them on the board with this offense, regardless of what Florida State Stevens does against uh, DJ, you need that offensive line. And that's, that's the issue, right? Is I think Clemson's defensive line is very, very good. I think they're going to chew up Florida State's offensive line. How well can Travis and these, these receivers, or even the game planning, which I think are not game planning, the play calling this year, which I think has overall been absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, you'll probably see a lot of uh, rolling Travis out and, and moving the pocket, things like that. Maybe some more simplified reads because I think this defensive line for Clemson is going to give FSU some problems. But uh, you're not going to face some of those same issues with Wake. They're not quite as good up front. Um, you know, Aaron Donald is, is long gone. 
to the NFL. But uh, I, I don't know, man. NC State is still very, very good up front. Uh, we're going to find out. That's the thing. This this October team, I get, I want to say I'm right from the article that I wrote last year. I think there were just little – let's get through October 1st, right? I think we're a little bit too far ahead of ourselves. Yeah, and if we could push it towards the defense, like you talked about Clemson, they're big, strong, brute defensive line. Florida State has a, a very good defensive line with Fabian Lovett, Robert Cooper, even though some of them need to come back to field like Jared first. How do you think those mat, though, that defense matches up against teams like NC State, teams like Wake Forest that you play next week? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked me that question because I think I think you you were earlier 100% right when you said that this defense definitely misses Fabian Lovett. They really need him back. But that aside, right, right whether Lovett returns for Wake or Clemson or, or what have you, um, this defensive line is definitely very good. And I, I, I want to mention something I, I think um, should excite uh, Null Nation, right? If you're, if you're a Seminole fan and you're listening to this, because obviously, I mean, if you weren't, why would you listen to this? But Patrick Payton, I, I watched him at the Boston College game, right? I know Matt Hasselbeck kind of pointed out on the broadcast, but I need – if you're a Seminole fan to understand just how special what Patrick Payton flashed on Saturday night really was right. I Briggs played really well. Uh, Robert Cooper plays really well. This defensive line just chewed up a very bad Boston college offensive line. That's exactly what you want them to do. That's what you expect them to do. And they, they went out and did it. So even while they missed Fabian Lovett and they will continue to very much miss Fabian Lovett uh, until he comes back, they still did what you wanted them to do. But something that we haven't seen for a very long time is, again, the development among the younger players. And so I think this pod has talked before about guys like Amari Gaynor. And I like Gaynor. He, he's, a good, he's a decent player. Uh, but I think what he's more suited to would be is a third down kind of pass rusher type role. He's not really great um, setting the edge. He's not really great in pass coverage you know, as a linebacker, but that kid can blitz, right? He can get after you in third down pass rushing situations. But you see a kid like Patrick Payton, who against, and again, I know Boston College's right tackle is very bad. But it, what Patrick Payton showed on Saturday night, it doesn't matter because that kid, he, he exploded off the line of scrimmage. He bent the corner with athleticism, right? Who, if you see a kid do that, and you bend the corner where you get real low, right? And you kind of like, you got to get that ankle bent. You always joked about with under Clint Trickett, uh, I mean, uh, Rick Trickett uh, on his offensive line. But you bend the corner like that and you come after the quarterback. And Peyton didn't quite finish the play. I think uh, Djokovic kind of uh, got the pass off. But that play is, that's special, special stuff, guys. If, if Peyton could put on 10 more pounds and use that speed to create speed to power, and do that against starting offensive tackles, which again, he's raw right now, but you're looking down the line a year next year after that, man, Patrick Payton has, when you see a kid do that, that's top 15 draft pick type stuff. He's a young kid. He needs time to develop, but that is special, special stuff. And that is things that we have not seen at Florida state for several years. So while I know the show was on, you know, Robert Cooper and Fabian Love and things like that. But what is coming down the line, what, what this staff is developing and hopefully what they can recruit to help replace guys like Fabian Love it. It's, it's really exciting stuff. And I hope you guys really appreciate what, where we think this is going. And that's something that we were talking about before on the depth of this team. We talked about in the depth of the cornerbacks, the depth of the linebacker room, they haven't seen before with, with Kalen Deloach, with Tatum Bethune. The players that you don't have back, like Amari Gaynor, and it just it just keeps coming. When you have Jared Versa comes out and need to go take a break, you saw it against Louisville. Derek McClendon came in, he made plays. Patrick Payton came in against Boston College, he made plays, and you see it again on the defensive line. You see Joshua Farmer who comes in and takes Fabian Lovett's role or takes whoever need, whoever he needs fills that role and makes sure that the depth is is a positive thing for this team, which it hasn't been in a while. Right. And to your point, I can't believe I forgot this. Julian Armella played. I think he subbed in a little bit of left tackle on Saturday night yeah. against Boston College. He was ridiculous. Like, again, the kid's young. He's a little bit raw, but his ceiling is sky high. Like, he's going to be a really, really good player. And this is exciting. Like we talked about, this is a fun team. It's not just 
the the top tier guys are all the transfers who come in. You know, the upperclassmen are playing at a really high level. You know, they need Jared Verse back too. But these young kids who are flashy, we haven't seen that in five or six years. This is fun. I hope you guys enjoy it because you should. Yeah. And some of those young kids, I, I looked at Tommy, who I was at the game with, and we were we were talking about Adria Thomas and Shine Brown, who Adria Thomas had two tackles for us in the game. And yeah. it, was one of, it was one of like, kind of like some of the, the best burn he's had this season where he's came in and played some, some solid snaps and look what he did with those snaps. Look what Shine Brown did to break in and get the sack on a quarterback, which you, you don't see with young guys like that, which it, it's, it's really incredible. Yeah, no, you're hundred percent right. I, I know exactly the two plays that you're probably talking about. There's one where they had Shaheen Brown come in on a delayed blitz deep from the secondary, like the safety spot. He comes knifing in, he kind of hesitates for a second. And then he's like, Oh no, I am good to go. And he just comes right in and, and they sack jerk of it, uh, Djokovic. And then there's another one where uh, they had Azaria Thomas in he's lined up, I think on Zay flowers, which is Zay flowers. Look, Boston College, as we talked about before, their offensive line is very, very bad. But Djokovic is a good quarterback. He's probably going to get – he's got nothing around him. He's probably going to play in the NFL, at least as a backup. He'll get a chance. And Zay Flowers is their only other uh, NFL-level player. They have Thomas come in on Zay Flowers, which is absurd. But this particular play, Boston College had Flowers come around. He leaves his end spot uh, split out wide. He's going to do like some kind of end-around thing where they give him the ball – and for a guy like Thomas, is he a young player? He could panic, not know what to do, or whatever. No, he turns on the Jets. He chases after Flowers and catches, and the play goes for nothing. Thomas has speed to burn. Again, just like you pointed out, Max, this the secondary, the talent, the speed. They're recruiting. They just we wanted them to see um, and, and show a couple of wins, right? To come get these like blue chip players. And you see, Hakeem Williams commits. Uh, over the week before the Boston College game, it's happening. It's happening now. We thought maybe if if you could go, like you said, seven and two or something like that, eight eight and three or whatever, maybe that would start to happen. But we're seeing a three and zero oh and four and zero. Oh. Yeah, I remember the third quarter. Thomas had a just an insane tackle where, I mean, he he tackled him where that he can't go anywhere. He's putting him to the ground and he's making sure that the the receiver is just just. The receiver is planted, and I remember looking and I said, "Who is that?" Because I just I just wasn't looking that way, and I yeah. saw the twenty on the back of his jersey, and to me, I just thought like that that's a freshman. And then you saw it that like you said with Armella, you saw it with these different like I know I've kept saying in this whole podcast just the depth of this team, but these wins like Duquesne, like Boston College, it's helped players in those second string, in those third string come in and gain the confidence that they need that the Florida state needs to even help them in practice and even help them later on in the season, which it's just, it's been tremendous for them to gain these early leads early in the game. So these players can come in and get real burn for them. Right. And, and you're hundred percent right. I could not agree more. Um, you know, and this defense still has issues, right? I saw them bust the coverage against uh, LSU. They busted another one against, against uh, Louisville. It's going to happen. They did it again against Boston College, right? You had uh, the the linebacker, I think it was Bethune maybe, and the corner both came down to take the screen. You had a guy wide open on the wheel, but Djokovic just didn't see him. So, but it's going to happen, right? And you're going to face some better teams over the next month that do take advantage of plays like that. So I again I, I want to prepare some fans to understand that again Florida State they're going to have some struggles right this the next three weeks this next month are going to be their biggest test of the season. Um, how well do they handle that? They're, this team is not going to go undefeated right. They're going to drop a game. That's okay. But the signs are there that this program is going some right. The climb, the culture all of that stuff, the, the talent we, I talked before about how the, the transfer portal is a lottery, right? It's like NFL free agency. Even if you get good players out of it, it doesn't mean that they're going to translate to good players for you. And yet I, this transfer portal that they got this last season, the hit rate is unbelievable. I, I don't know how Novell did. I don't know if it's just luck. Um, again, we talk about the development of younger players. It's not just that. And hopefully these younger, you know, these transfer portal players, kind of give you that bridge to help you recruit at a high school, the players that you really need to have sustained long-term success. Um, 
you know, it's too, it's too far ahead of ourselves to talk about whether or not there's going to be a step back next year, but what they've done so far, the staff has done so far this year, Atkins and Norvell and all the other guys and Ron Dugans, you have to give him credit where credit's due. It's nothing short of unbelievable. And so again, I think, again, they're not going to be favored against every team in the country. I'm blown away that they are favored against Wake when I thought before the season, Wake easily going to be a two, two touchdown favorite. Um, to be a two-point favorite, even if they don't win this game, is still a tremendous improvement. Uh, and they're not going to be favored probably against NC State or Clemson. That's okay. Uh, if they go one and two over the next three-game stretch, Max, I'm okay with it. I don't know about you. I'm kind of, I kind of want to know your opinion about that. Um, if they go two and one, I'd be ecstatic. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest things is, like we said before, we don't want to talk about the negatives. We don't talk want to talk about, like, remind these people that that a loss is coming and the hardest month of the schedule is coming. But I think one of the biggest things, because Florida State's riding a high of winning right now and just of success within the coaching staff, within the players, within almost every room in that team. So how they, how they react to that first loss is really going to show – what this team is made of and you saw it against Louisville of, of what they need to, to bring that team to bring that game back so I think it's going to be something like that where they bounce back because in other years they take that loss or they have a, a win streak and then they just go down and I don't think that's going to happen this year even with a tough schedule ahead which I mean I don't know about your opinion but I think even when they get this maybe two losses maybe one loss in October they're still going to ride that that momentum and keep just just riding that success into into that November month. Oh, I agree. I I, I think you know before you, me, and Brian had talked about right as the season was getting started, how many wins we think this team is going to win, uh, going to get. Right, we're six, seven, maybe eight. I think uh, eight is more than on the table now at this point. Right, um, if they beat Wake, nine is more than on the table. You start talking about the possibility of 10 wins. If, if you beat wake and start five and oh, right. Cause you got, you got five. Um, you're talking about five more wins out of the next seven games. That would be more than doable. I, I mean, I know Syracuse is still going to be tough. Florida is still going to be tough. Um, you know, cause you're going to get most teams a game, but I, I think eight wins is, is I said seven and five. I think before the season with eight more likely than six. Now I would say it's eight um, with I maybe I don't look, I, I want to ask you this. If we both agree that eight is probably the most likely amount of wins, did you go nine is next or seven? I think nine is next nine. So eight, nine, and then seven. Right. Yeah. But and what I, if I it think. Go ahead. What, what are the three losses? I don't know. Is that what you're Clemson. asking? Ask well, no, it's just uh, if we think nine at nine and three, I mean, they'll drop a couple of games. It could be anyone. It could be NC State, Clemson, Wake, uh, Syracuse, Florida, right? Out of those four teams, maybe they drop uh, three of them. That's not too bad. If they beat Wake, do you think 10's on the table? No. Come no, on, I Max. Don't. No. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, I that's don't. A, that's okay. I that's just, okay. I just – you just like just, just like we've been talking about the schedules it's it's gonna get really tough it really yeah, it is, is. And, and just it's football injuries are gonna settle down injuries right. are gonna keep coming just just things that there there's just so many positives right now that i can't just think like this season is just everything is gonna go right for them something is gonna happen and it's not it's not those when you look at those teams against like like syracuse that's that's not an easy win. That's 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 a tough game, and right. you're on the road. So you're looking at. I guess when you look at Georgia Tech, when you look at Louisiana, those games that can be like maybe you don't check them off, but you you check them off under the table. But if that makes sense, but <laughs> right <laughs> there there's just there's just too many competitive teams, especially with those in-state rivalries later in the season that I can just write off ten right now. Right. Well, the ACC Atlantic may be one of the best divisions in all of college football, right? You have, five, I think, five teams out of seven that are ranked. Is that right? Um, you know, Florida State's now clocking in at 23 overall in the AP poll. Um, 
I, I mean, obviously the SEC can be can be really, really talented. Uh, Ohio State in, in the Big Ten, their division. But overall, right, I, I think five teams in one division, it may be the best overall division in college football this year. Um, and if Florida State can go, I think even one and two over the next three weeks is really good. Uh, if they go two and one, Again, I think if, I think if they go two and one over the next three games with Wake, NC State, and Clemson, I think ten wins is on the table. I really do. But if they go one and two, that's fine. If they lose all three, that's fine. If you start four and three, I'm not panicking. This team is fine. I think Norvell and the long term prospects are fine because they've already shown us what we wanted to see. But if you go one and two, you're you're totally fine. I think eight wins, maybe nine, is still on the table. I think a win there is, is definitely necessary. That the zero three is just it, it would just it would just destroy that. Yeah, it would just destroy the team's just overall kind of kind of thought process of the season of, of going into that bowl game and, and making sure that they can take continue the climb in quotes. Right. But look at the schedule. They're playing number ten NC State. They're playing number five Clemson. They're playing a team that's ranked right in front of them in Wake Forest. So. Yeah, you need one of those games. I, I, I believe that the easiest one would be Wake Forest, riding this momentum going into that game after a big win against Boston College. I think you need that that game against Wake Forest. What are your thoughts on on who maybe who it would be or who they who they need to beat? You know, well, Wake Forest is definitely the lower ranked of the three. Um, again, Florida State is a favorite. So right now I'd, ha- I'd have to say Wake. Uh, you just don't know. They're coming off an emotional two-overtime loss to Clemson. I, I, so I think Wake is vulnerable. Um, but Sam Hartman's a really good quarterback. They're going to get theirs. I can see a shootout like a 33-31 type, type of game. Kind of wait to see. I haven't seen what the over-under uh, might be. I think the line has already moved to, like I said, four, maybe four and a half Florida State is favored. Uh, so a lot of money coming in on them, but we'll see. Um, but I don't know. I kind of want to wrap. I kind of want to wrap this up. I, but I, I think your point is a good one. Um, we just have to wait and see, man. I, like I said, I think Wake is a really, really good team. They're exceptionally coached. I thought they'd have more of a setback this season than than what they've had. But I can't ignore the fact that that DJ Clemson, who I don't really have a that high of opinion of, kind of did quite a bit to torch Wake, especially in the second half. So. Um, I, I guess we'll find out. Uh, do you have a score prediction for that for this game? I don't have a score prediction just yet. I think it's going to be. I think both teams are getting into those those that thirty range at Doak at, at I don't know. Is that three thirty? Is it? Yeah, it's at three thirty. Yeah, it's not. It's not in that game. Yeah, I saw under the lights. It's not what they're used <laughs> to. Um, just off the top of my head right now, I guess I'd put it at. Maybe like 38, 31. Yeah, I have something like 33, 31. I don't know yet. I've decided who wins that game, but I think it's going to be really, really close. Um, again, hopefully Florida State comes out on top. Uh, but um, I guess for, you know, John, Max, and Brian, that's a wrap.